Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey everyone, welcome back to the next episode of Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump and myself, Coach Justin Gerstung. Back at it for another week. Coach Klump, how you doing? Doing great. Ready for this. I'm getting used to, you know, settling in now. Yeah, Keep Looking I know. forward to these things. <laughs> I know, me too. Getting a chance to catch up with you after a nice long week is always one of the best times of my Sunday. Um, tonight, we are gonna got a really special guest, special episode, uh, more of a local episode honoring a man that uh, really impacted high school football in the Western New York area, Coach, and um, mentor and maverick Dick Gallagher. And so we're going to yeah. have a couple of guests on to join us tonight. But before we do that, as always, we start with some celebrations from the past week. What are you celebrating this week, Coach? You know, looking back at it, I wanted to just celebrate um, all those individuals out there just being as authentic as they can be. You know, that they're not afraid to do what they love and that they don't care what anybody else thinks. You know, no one can see what you see. No one can feel what you feel, that fire deep down inside. And I like to call it that 10-year-old mentality, that that fearless, that self-confidence, that self-esteem just pouring out of those 10-year-olds. And I just wish that, you know, my, like even my, myself um, had more of that 10-year-old mentality. But I just wanted to celebrate those individuals. Um you know, they're out there grinding no matter if it's 90 degrees out, no matter if it's summertime, they're going after it. Um, and to just, if we got any of those younger listeners out there, that those individuals are just, they are prioritizing their purpose over popularity. You know, and, and that's what I wanted to emphasize in that celebration, that those individuals, they're just going after their purpose, you know, what the Lord wants them to do and really um, deflecting or putting putting that popularity, um, you know, right behind their their purpose, and I just wanted to celebrate those individuals out there doing that. How about you, Coach? Yeah, that's such a good celebration, and I think I would love to celebrate those guys too. But my celebration this week is celebrating the holiday that we just had. We're taping this particular episode on July fifth, and July fourth is one of my favorite holidays of the year. Oh, yeah. Just. Just to honor, you know, this great country that we live in, that we get the freedom to sit around and, you know, talk sports and and do what we do. And I posted on our social media, on my social media, you know, just a post about this particular July 4th holiday um, and how the country at this time where there's a little bit of unrest, you know, socially and, you know, economically and politically that we can, you know, enjoy the the time together with our family and celebrate our country. Our country's not a perfect place. Our country's not um, gotten everything right in its history. But at the same time, you know, we have an opportunity here to have that freedom to to make up for mistakes and to bounce back and to continue to strive forward. Um, and I just so I just celebrate the Fourth of July. I celebrate our country. Um, and the opportunity that we get to, you know, live in this great nation and do these things that we get to do and hope that, you Amen. know, as far as we come, you know, in the next, you know, a couple months, next years ahead that we can kind of get together uh, and make some progress in all areas of our life. So yeah, move to improve. Our nation. Yeah, that's absolutely. what we got to do. We got to move to improve, you know. Absolutely. So 
We usually also, after celebration, start with a verse. You got one for us this week? Absolutely. And you know, you just talked about it. You hit it right on the head. Um, that unrest you said, that word um, is just resonating with me because that's exactly um, what was on my heart when I was reading through this week. And it's, it's a popular one. It's Luke 10, 27 and 28. Um, one of the most popular verses, you know, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And why it was on my heart was those the last five words were, or the f- five words in there where it says, love your neighbor as yourself, and it gets us back to that unrest. And I just want to encourage our listeners to go out there and enrich as many people's lives as you can because right now, that's what your neighborhood needs. That's what your school district needs. That's what your town, your city, and this country needs. We may not have all the answers or the solutions to many of these problems that we face, but when you love God and you are doing his work, that leads to a full heart. And just just trying to encourage to serve one person um, at a time each and every day and hopefully that has a, a, a ripple effect because that's what we need we need to spread that love just like jesus did you know yeah I'm, i love it i love it we um listen to a couple different podcasts in my household in addition to going to church every sunday more virtually now due to this pandemic but just the same idea that once you can figure out you know that your identity lies with something bigger than you you start to look outward and serve others and come together. And just like you said, it's just something that when you're when you're trying to serve other people and make those lives around you better, I think more people can come to an agreement. You know, we're not always going to get what we want when we want it. Um, but striving to make connections and meet somewhere in the middle for the common good is something I think we should ultimately do. Yeah. So working for everybody, that. working for everybody. So coach, I love that scripture. Um, you know, we have not done this in this pod yet. And I know um, both of us have been around the block, even though I, I consider myself a younger coach in, in our area. And I know you've been doing this a little bit longer than me, but I wanted to take, uh, start a little session for our listeners and, and allowing younger coaches to really grow. And I know that um, each and every year I look back at all of my write-ups for my practice plans and they're so different and it really depends on the individuals that I'm going to have. But I wanted to ask you, you know, um, from your 16 years in the grind, you know, we're always grinding, but like if we walked into a practice and we spent some time with Coach Gersting, what is one piece of the game of basketball in which you have implemented into your practices that you look back and you're like, we got to do this every single day. This this is a very, very yeah. good drill. This is what we need to do. We're getting better at this. This is really helping us be successful. What would you what would you say that is? Yeah, I think thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. And I love this aspect of it too, even though we're beyond the ball. This is uh obviously what all coaches get into. And so for me, a practice, a normal practice. Well, first of all, let me just start with this. If we got any young coaches out there or old coaches that just need a refresher, and and by all all means, right? We're not the end all be all. If anything, we are actively pursuing, you know, ways of getting better every right. single day. But lifelong I learners, would, you know. Yeah, and some of the things that I've just picked up over the last fifteen years that I try to share with some younger coaches that I mentor is that you really, number one, you have to coach who you are. 
you have to coach your personality and all of us have had different influences you know we usually coach how we've been coached um, and then you maybe coach you know something out of a book that you've read and so you really have to be comfortable with you know your level of expertise in the game and so you know, if you don't know a lot about running transition fast break basketball, then coaching that's probably going to lead to a lot of stress and anxiety, and you're probably not going to coach it very well. You know, you'd probably be better off coaching what you know to work and what you really can teach very well. Um, that's something I've I've heard from a different coaches like Coach Sam Allen, you know, from PGC. And then the other piece of advice is, I think, as I've studied some of my tape and some of my, stat, some of my stats from this past year um, and compared them to past seasons, is there's many ways to win a game. Um, you know, a lot of teams, you know, there's some core factors that are included, but some teams win with defense, some teams win with offense, and some teams win with a mix of that. And so when you combine those two things, I think for me personally – you know, I'm more of a conservative, defensive-minded coach. And so for me, if you came into my practice, while we work on offense a bunch and scoring the basketball, we are constantly talking about how to limit losing. You know, Bobby Knight once said uh, something to the effect of, is the number one way to win a basketball game is to not lose it. Mm. You know, get rid of those yeah. things that lose basketball games for you so like bad shot selection and turnovers and things oh. of those nature right and yeah. so for me for me one of those th core things for us is as having a really good defensive game plan um, and making sure we're playing as a unit all five guys are playing together and so you'll you'll see versions of shell drill every single day in our practice or some sort of defensive technique um, where we're working offense and defense at the same time, but very, very frequently the emphasis is on the defensive end. And so try to give the guys a little bit of freedom and liberty on the offensive end, but defensively we're, we're locking in. We're trying to lock in. What about you? What's something that you, you are trying to focus in on every day at New Fame? You know, you hit on so many great teaching points. Um, one of the ones is daily conversation about shot selection and, to many of your athletes, this is going to be different. It's difficult to have a discussion with throughout your whole team about, all right, why does one player get to shoot this shot as opposed to the, another player to get to? And those are conversations that you have to have behind closed doors because that's where the most learning is done. And um, so I would say daily conversation about shot selection. It's, it's a very good way to win and lose a, a game is not knowing what a good shot and a bad shot is. Um, right. But also piggybacking on yours because, um, you know, watching and scouting your teams are always very defensively sound. Um, one of the things that we really did a lot more of this year was rotations after the first guy got beat. And, okay, where is this – where is the help going to come from? Where is the help on the backside going to rotate to? Where do we believe that first pass is going to come out from? And then how do we rotate? And I, um, of all my years coaching, this past team really dug into that concept. And we talk about the difference between, you know, offensively, we wanted to create long closeouts. So we, we got to thinking as a staff, all right, how do we limit? 
getting into those long closeout situations. So every single day, like you just said, you know, some sort of shell. But we also did some sort of rotations on the backside when, you know, we broke down because it's going to happen all the time. And just eliminating those long closeouts and everybody knowing where everybody's going to be rotating, it really allowed us to keep a lot of people out of the paint. And, you know, this past year, looking at a lot of our losses, teams had to make, you know, in, in three of our losses, they the teams made 12 three-pointers against us. But those were the ones that we were giving up. You know, we didn't want people to get yeah. into the paint and get, shoot free throws and shoot two easy layups. But so if, if you're going to make threes, we tipped our cap to you. So definitely yeah. defensive rotations. Yeah, I think that, well, you know, we play each other twice a year. And this year we were lucky enough to split with you guys. You guys have had our number for a bunch of years, but – and we did. I think you guys did an excellent job with that. We did. I think we were one of those teams that made a bunch of threes that night. You know, oh, yeah. actually one of our guests that we have on tonight yeah, is actually he was live. live doing that yeah. game. But we are, um, yeah, I think it's the same thing. You got to settle into what, what shots you're going to be willing to live with. And if you make them, you know, if they make them, they make them. So, yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's something I think is we – continue forward in this podcast. I think it's something that we definitely uh, would like to share some of those insights with our listeners, whether they're coaches. Some weeks we'll share some stuff with athletes. If athletes are listening about what you can do to maybe earn your coach's trust or some other topics mm. like that. So yeah. uh, I'm ready to get into it a little bit. What about what do you think you ready to get on with this show yeah, and invite well, our guests in? Here? I'm so excited. I mean, if you're if you know anything about Western New York football, we are deeply saddened to hear about the passing of Dick Gallagher. So to hear individuals that have spent so much time with him and had so much conversation with him, celebrating our local athletes in the game of football, the student athletes and their academics, just to just to hear what they have to say about Dick's passion for the game, I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we put this podcast together, you know, it was before Dick's passing and the whole idea and concept, if you've listened to us now for a couple of episodes, you'll recognize probably that we're very into what goes on behind the scenes and how people affect or use sport to affect life off of the court or off of the field. And so, for me, I'm really excited to have a couple of guys on that can share some of Dick's passion as well. Um, I think what we're trying to get out of this podcast is exactly what, you know, Dick would have wanted um, in his legacy, or at least to some degree. I can't speak for him directly, but um, just such a great guy. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have um, Mr. Dennis Saro and Mr. Tom Prince join us. So Clumpy, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Will do. Appreciate you tuning in for this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out these other great pods from the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Cavalier Central, and our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to Beyond the Ball. We're back with a couple of friends, very close friends and colleagues of Mr. Dick Gallagher, a longtime um, coach and mentor in the Western New York Buffalo area who passed away a couple of weeks ago. And so we're just doing a pod here to memorialize him, celebrate him. And so we're joined by 
uh, Mr. Dennis Syro and Mr. Tom Prince. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Doing how are great. you? Good, good. We really appreciate yes, you guys welcome. coming on and, and joining us to talk about Dick. I think where we, Eric, Coach Klump and I would love to go first is just your connection um, with with Dick over the years and um, maybe you just some general thoughts before we start really digging in deep. So, uh, Tom, you want to go first? Sure. Great, so, thanks. I, I first had the opportunity to meet Dick when I worked with him. So I worked at Channel 2 for three years and actually had the chance. That's where Dick and I first got a chance to really know each other. And uh, mine started with coming to Dick because – I was trying to do what he was doing in football to baseball and ask for his advice on how to get started. And it was amazing on how Dick just took me under his wing and showed me every possible thing there was to get things started because he knew if there's somebody out there that was going to recognize more athletes, he was all for it. He was going to show you how to do it. We would, I would meet almost daily with him where we would just sit and have long conversations and go over everything. And then it turned into from baseball. Then it turned into football. Then it turned into me helping him a little bit with the uh, with the actual award ceremony that he did. Then it turned into having even more of an impact on it. And then before I knew it, I'm doing podcasts with Dick. Uh, it was just amazing, you know, how it morphed. But I could sit here and tell you, first of all, it was a friend. I mean, I, I, I look forward to my text to him. I look forward to our conversations. I look forward to every single dinner I, or lunch I had at Chef's with him. Those things are, are never going to get back, and I'm just going to remember for a lifetime. But I will say is what he what he taught me and what he mentored to me is just unbelievable. He truly is a mentor, a role model, an icon, everything you can ask in a person this is the man you want to actually go after. Nice. Nice. I appreciate that. So heartfelt right there. I, uh, I had the chance to meet Dick a couple of times, not obviously to that level, but I would agree with that sentiment completely. Dennis, w- what was your connection to Dick? Well, first I met Dick just through, the, through football with the Conley Cup. You know, he when I first went out there, um, he got me started with, you know, the players and get – Got me to know the players, but I also met Dick through kids escaping drug because I did a lot of um, work with Dad with the volunteer part of it when he was when he had the um, the the basketball they had down there the the three on three I can't remember what it was called the brain freeze here yeah Yeah, Gussmacker I used to help him with that volunteer for that I volunteered at the they were doing a fundraiser for that. When they first started with the Wing Fest, that was that was um, kids escaping drug also, and Dick Dick was just a person that he, if you got to know him, he cared about every aspect of your life, and he cared about making sure that things are going right for you. Um, Dick, you know, I, I helped him for the last twenty years set up that banquet, which he I don't know how he does it. You know, I I couldn't do it. I mean, he puts he loves the, he puts his love and his heart into it. And like I said, when it comes to taking care of a kid, you know, like I said, being a coach for over thirty years in this area, you know, we've had problems where I personally known there was a, a person that had a drug problem that we went to 
to Dick about it, and within uh, 24 hours, Dick had taken care, t- taken that person under his wing, got got him straightened around, and turned him into a great person in society right now. And I know he's done that for a lot more people too. But you know, when you, whatever, do do being someone that gets criticized a lot because you know there's all critics out there. Dick was one of those persons that always told you you got to remember the good people. Don't let the bad people ruin the good people. You know, I I take it as a, a great pleasure to get to know Dick and be a good friend of Dick's because he's, you know, he's he's influenced a lot of things I've done in my life. Oh, yeah, great. he seems very influential. Um, so, Dennis, why don't you elaborate a little bit? You know, even before, you know, Dick got engulfed with the Western New York football scene, he was a pretty effective counselor, you know, just from your last story. So, tell, tell us about, like, how Dick has helped out. You know, he, he when they started that, they, they didn't have much money, but he went around. He, he he wanted, that was his baby. He wanted to get that thing on the ground. And he wanted to get it off. You know, he really, really cared about get, straightening these kids out in life that have taken that wrong road. You know, you come in your life, you come to the fork in the road, and sometimes you go down that wrong road. Well, Dick would check, yeah. get them back onto the right road. Tom, is there any places in there where you've seen Dick continue on to do that in your time spent with him? You hear stories all the time of what he's done. And, um, you know, not where I could sit here and give you that specific, this was the story on how he did yeah. it. More general, you know, kind of like what Dennis is uh, talking about there. Even when we went to his funeral, you you heard them tell a story at the funeral. There is just there's so many of where he would step in and make sure whoever it was got the help they needed. He was not going to let someone who needed help not get that help. He was going to make sure it was going to happen. And not only was it going to happen, but it was going to happen immediately. Right. And to add to that, Dick also, he followed up. He didn't just start it. He, he followed up and it down the years and make sure that that person was doing the right thing. I know personally with all the stuff Dick was going through in his last few years with trying to fight the cancer and doing a great job of it. You know, I, I was diagnosed with cancer uh, last April and Dick, you know, always called to see how I do. And if I needed any help, just to someone to talk to that's been through it, you know, he cared. And that's just the person he is. Yeah, I mean, I've read some some of the stories written about him and everything from, like, his work with the Erie County Department of Mental Health to kids escaping drugs, which, you know, depending on where you're listening to this program for us, that's a that's a big time Western New York Buffalo area program to help it to help kids, you know, and then the Renaissance House that he was instrumental in. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think that for us, for Beyond the Ball podcast, like when you have somebody that can combine the the service to others along with, um, you know, their love of sport, I think it's just, it's really powerful. powerful yeah, like, uh, like Dennis hit on it earlier and it, there's an old saying that kids, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that seems to be w- w- what Dick's legacy is about. Like, Tom, uh, can, can you elaborate a little bit ab- about like how these kids knew or individuals knew that he just cared about them so much? When he would introduce or come up in the introduction and how you doing or whatever it may be, it was always some comment about how great you were, 
Like, it is just unbelievable what you do. It is unbelievable what you've accomplished. If you're a player, he'd go over about how great of a player you were before the conversation even started. Every time he saw me, he'd call me a, a hero and all these positive things. Be, and he'd deflect anything that was positive about him and turn it to you. It was about you and how great of a human being you were. And you just wanted to be around that so much because he made you feel so good about yourself and knew that really the person that was being so great was him. Yeah. And that's why and where do you, Tom, where do you think that? Go ahead, Dana. Sorry. And that's what, like I said with Dick, because I, I, I had, you know, he'd always call, talk to me during the football season and said, how you doing? You know, you handling it good because there's people out there that, you know, just didn't like, they had their ideas of who's the best person out there was and who they wanted to be the best person. But he said, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Every year he made sure that I came back and made sure that I, I kept on the path that I've taken this and helping the kids and getting the kids recognized. And that was his biggest thing, get the kids recognized for what they do, the good they do, not the bad. Yeah, Tom, where do you think that comes from? Like knowing him a little bit more on the personal side, what 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 do you think the traits were about Dick that that just kind of those traits of caring showed through with these athletes? Well, you can see the whole thing started because of what his brother was doing down in Pittsburgh. His brother was running a very similar event down in Pittsburgh to where he brought it here to kind of Western New York. So okay. it's something that is in his family, it's in his blood. Like they're just about recognizing people and being there for all these youth and being there for anyone in any particular way. They've all shown it. It's something that runs in that family. And then on the side, the relationship that I truly believe Dick has with God and Dick had with the church really also brought that and brought it to what he was doing there and how he could give back and make sure he was giving. Because he always said, you know, everything was meant to be for a reason. He really felt that his relationship with God was the reason why he was able to do what he was able to do. Yeah. And to add to that is, like he said, the add to that is, you know, family was the biggest thing for him, you know, and, and he, you know, he lost his daughter early. And he always said that she's down there looking out for him and helping him get through all this stuff. Every year he'd say the same thing, you know. It, She's up there helping him. She's, he's a firm believer in family. You know, people didn't realize not only did Dick do all this for sports, but he never missed one of his grandkids' games or anything. He made sure yeah. that he got to see all their games, was out there for them. You know, he, there's nobody he didn't set aside and say, I, I don't have the time for. You yeah, always I find mean, time whole, for everybody. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy too, right? Because as a dad of four four children of my own trying to coach, um, and even though it's a little different, it's a set season, it's just unbelievable trying to get to everybody's game and be supportive and then have enough left over to give to just your team. You know, I coach one varsity sport. I can't imagine doing that for an entire region and all these different schools. I mean, that is, you know, God-given ability right there to have that much passion and energy for what you're doing. Amen. And I'll so, tell you this, there wasn't a name he didn't know. I mean, you would come off, you could have a conversation and say, okay, let's talk Newfane, right? Let's talk Wilson. 
he could sit here and talk that with you just in conversation with you and I without even having the paperwork or anything next to him. He could just go in and have that conversation. Yeah, oh, he was Tom, he was good. I actually had a chance to meet him in the fall at a Bills game. Um, the What is the new group? Um, coaches, uh, Project Play, sorry. Project Play Western New York that the Bills have like co-sponsored. We were at an event with him, and he was obviously the guest of honor. It was the first ever time they had given that award out. And I made a point to go up and say hello to him. And he did not recognize me at first. We had met before. And he just he asked again. He's like, and so what was your name again? And where are you from? And uh, I, I'm like, I'm from Akron. Justin Gersing, I'm you know, coaching at Akron High School. And he immediately dove into our football team. Like he goes, oh, you guys are you guys are looking to be pretty good, and we had one of our players hurt this year, um, and he's like, oh, that was a huge blow for your team, and you know we're this little class C school, you know, rural suburban Buffalo area, and you're right, man, he just knew it, he knew all the stats, and he knew what you know kind of trials our team was going through, like on the spot, it was just amazing. Yeah, he's like he is like the heartbeat of Western New York football, and he's been doing it for such a long time. Like you go back 30, 40 years, and if you played what you know Western New York football or you coached in Western New York, you know the impact that Dick has had. So, Dennis, let me ask you this: um, How did he do it? Like, how did he go about finding all of the information about all of these teams throughout Western New York? Well, Dick. Every year before the season started, Dick would send a questionnaire to all the coaches. And the one I've never seen Dick get upset about anything, but the only thing that Dick that was one of his pet peeves was these coaches that would not turn those sheets in. But Dick didn't stop there. If he didn't get a thing from the coach, he'd make sure he 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 made a, every effort he could to find out about that team and that kid. And that the first first couple of times I'm with Dick and him, he's rating off these names left and right, what team they played, what their stats are. And I'm like, I got a program in front of me. I don't think I could remember all that stuff. <laughs> That's he, awesome. He just right. had the knack for that. Yeah, absolutely. When the Western, is it, correct me the name, if I get the name wrong, Western New York Football Magazine. Was that the name of the publication? Do I have that correct, guys? I think that's right. And it, yeah, and I mean, that thing was meticulous. Very rarely was there ever a, a team in there that didn't have something positive written about them. It was so good. Such a great publication. You yeah, there about that before. a lot of people also before that have did, come forward did, to did. us that said they want to put that on digital, to try to get that as a digital format now and bring that to life so people could go back and see the past of all the work that Dick has done. Yeah, that's wow, great. That would be I'm a, sorry, that Dennis, would be I think awesome. you got cut off. What were you going to say? Well, before, you know, when Dick did, just did the paper, it was amazing because I – I, I was working at a sporting goods store, and I tell you, the week before that came out, I would we would get twenty five to fifty calls a day. Is that paper out? Is that paper out? Then yeah. People died. I mean, they wanted that paper. They had to be out there. They had to find that paper. And Absolutely. Now that when he went to the digital one, you know, and I explained it once before is that when he had the just the paper, that it was only a two year deal, a twice a year deal. Right. Now. When he went to the paper, he was doing it every week. Yeah, this, I mean the and the information that came with it, up with it every week is just it was just unbelievable. Absolutely. And how we could do it, keep up with that. And he and there's another thing with that, you know, 
it wasn't just about football. He recognized, you know, best cheerleaders, best food stand, best official, best dressed official. I mean, oh, here, I got one right here. Matter of fact, that's what I was looking for. It was called Western New York High School Sports Pre Preview. Yeah. Actually, this I one mean, here is this one from. This is from 2006. I, I keep stuff. There. But, I mean, that's that's the way he was. You know, yeah. it wasn't just about. And, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't absolutely. about it just. You go to the Wilsons and you go to the Akron, then you go down to the Southern Tier, to the Southwestern. I mean, he knew every – at one point there was like 102 schools. And he knew every every school and every every one of those athletes. So, yeah. Tom, being around being around Dick being as a mentor, what, what does his office look like? You had to see he had piles and piles of this information. <laughs> and, and he could literally would go – I'd go, well, Dick, let's talk about the ECIC, too. I'd go, okay, hold on. And he could grab the folder right where it was and start talking whatever information we needed to get about that. It was amazing. And then all that stuff that he has on the website, he would handwrite every single thing that goes on that website. That website, when he put together for a week, would be approximately – 30 to 40 pages long of written out information that someone had to type into the website right. so that they could upload it for each single week. So that's why he knew so much and could memorize it because he was writing it all out himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Well, that even for the, um, I'm sorry, dude. But even with the, when he had the, at the banquet, the one thing that really impressed me, you know, John Murphy did a great job, but all that stuff that John Murphy was talking about, was handwritten by Dick. Yeah, I mean that whole hour and a half of talking about every player, Dick wrote about every one of those players. And I actually something he did from his that heart. Entire thing, Dennis. So I've seen exactly that because one year he, the person that did his typing was out sick. So I typed all those notes out. <laughs> it is amazing what he can come up with for every single player. So they had a statement that was directly associated to them and how it was different and what they did on the field and what made them special to be as a player at Western New York. Yeah, so here's a question for you then, because we live more at a digital age now with, like, film. And I guess this, we kind of already talked about this, but what? How does he? how is he getting this information? Is he Superman and being at, like, three games every Friday night? How is, oh, how is he, like, I'm just oh, mind-blown that he has, he must have, like, uh, like spies everywhere, right? Oh, is that was, like just him doing a little bit of everything is what it was, right? So he would absolutely be at two games on Friday night, right? He would go to the yeah. first half of one game, go to the second half at another game. If it was on TV, though, he was starting towards the end watching stuff on TV, go watch whatever okay. the Spectrum game was. And then yeah. Saturday, he'd see another game or two that were on Saturday. So he was seeing anywhere from four to five to six games still a week. And now we had Thursday games too, if you remember. Yeah. So it was a Thursday game. It was two games on Friday. It was two games on Saturday and supplement with what was ever on TV. And then all the stats would actually come into him in a weekly basis. So he'd get every single stat from the games that would right. come in for those weeks. And then yeah, okay. his weekly recognition that he would do would be based on the weekly stats. So he would have the weekly stats plus season stats running the entire season. 
so that he could recognize the players and what they were doing along the way. Right, and that's probably why he would get so upset when the coaches wouldn't send in their information because they'd probably Bingo. be the first coaches hammering him that they their, their, their team's getting no respect. Exactly. That's exactly why he did. Yeah. If I, could I add mean, that's to an that. inspiration to me. Yeah, go, Dennis. If I could add to that, you no, know, with with the Cowley Cup committee, what he would do, me and Dick would have uh, every every Sunday morning he'd call and we'd have a half hour, 45 minutes to an hour conversation on stuff that I've got feedback from, from my players. And, and there's times, you know, he'd go, well, I didn't, he'd, he'd question, well, I didn't get that stat, but because our our we we taught our players our committee to take their own stats because nothing against the stats. It's, some schools have kids that do the stats and they're misleading, right. you know, because the, right. they, they're not their fault of their own. But you know, and Dick would say, "Oh, oh, thanks for that stat." But Dick would we'd have a, a meeting, a good forty-five, like I said, a good anywhere from a half hour to an hour meeting, talk in the morning because I get all the feedback, he get all the feedback, and and it would help us out both ways. You know, he get we miss something and he missed something, but that's the way he was. He didn't want something to slip through. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's inspirational to me. You know, my my wife is an angel, and she lets me do a lot uh, in terms of watching sports and going out. But I don't even know if I could get away with five games a weekend and watch it on TV. I mean, that is that would be a, a dream for me, for sure, for sure. Eric, anything else you want to ask? Yeah, and talk I wanted about to ask. Guys? I want to ask Tom what because uh, he's spending. You know, I, I, you did. With the working on the baseball aspect of of things with Dick and finding all the ins and outs of Western New York, where do you think that? What do you okay. think Dick would want to see happen in the future? Like come 2021 with the coverage of Western New York football, where do you think he wanted he would want it to go? Well, I, I definitely know, and he's because he was helping out a lot with the Western New York athletics. As you, I don't know if you knew, but him and Frank. We're doing a show together, and he just loved where Western New York Athletics was going because it was making sure kids got recognized, which is exactly what he was doing. And it wasn't even only football, but it was for all sports, right? So he really right. wanted to make sure that that kept growing and going the way that it was supposed to. But I'll tell you, which will be very tough to do, and we're going to need to figure this out and need to figure it out quickly and people like Dennis and myself are probably absolutely going to be a part of this. But that awards banquet's got to keep going. It's got to keep recognized. It's got to make sure that we make sure that goes forward in Dick's name here moving forward and make sure it's done just exactly like Dick would want it. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible story, like him being the advocate for it, him setting it up, him writing all those notes and having his thumbprint on everything that goes on in, yeah. with just, with just there, the there's banquet. There's no doubt that's going to be. And I'll tell you a, a little thing, too, that I, I hope that, that they do, because I think it was even more recognizable to the kids and the families that I hope that they keep doing on, on KISS 98 their Friday Night Lights segment, I don't care who they get for it, but get something to keep that alive because people would talk about Dick being on that. Oh, yeah. And who Dick recognized. I just hope those little things still move forward, that you can get somebody that's as passionate as he was to come on and still be able to passionately recognize those kids. There, are, I know there are multiple people out there. I just hope they keep it going and hope they get somebody who could be as passionate as he can 
to deliver that message. To to Tom, what Tom just said, I got a funny story. So like I was I was um at a study hall and most of the football players were in the study hall and one of them took out their phone and they're trying to go back into the archives and listen because they knew Dick was going to talk about the Newfane Wilson football game and they 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 searched just to hear their names from Dick <laughs> in the archives of Kiss 98.5. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And I listen I've had kids go through it. I know my kids have sat and listened to it. I know we listen to it as a family. You put it all out on social media. Little things like that for a player to hear their name in a yeah. positive note and the impact they're about to play just is is huge. And then the stuff we also talked about on Channel 2, I know even, even the little things like the chain gang, the best ref, the best good-looking coach, the best <laughs> dress coach. Like It didn't matter what it was. And I'll tell you – don't tell me people didn't read it because I, after he would put out his weekly one, if somebody was there that, that they felt shouldn't shouldn't be there, my phone would be blowing up asking me why Dick was recognizing somebody and not yeah. this person and why they of weren't course. the best chain gang and why their cheerleaders weren't being recognized. It was constantly looked at. Just fuel that conversation, right? Get everybody talking. Yeah, and, and make them perform even better, you know, without yeah. even saying anything because they just wanted right. to be recognized. Right. That's it, and that's really what this is all about is is I don't care who you are, whether you are a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid or you're an adult. I don't care who you are. Recognition is huge, especially whether we're in our job, whether we're in sports, whether we're at home. We all like to be recognized, and, and it comes in various ways. So don't tell me that people did not want to hear all that recognition, and we've got to find a way to keep that moving forward. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. So if we as we move forward, if Eric and I can really do anything to help with that uh, in our capacity, by all means, we will we'll definitely help with that. What I want to take this maybe in a little different direction, maybe more to the football side, you know. And you guys have obviously watched games with Dick, I'm sure at some point. In terms of like the football aspect, what what was Dick really intrigued with? Like what really impressed him when watching football? Was it, you know, good offense, good defense? Is he looking, you know, how athletes moved? Was he looking for their body language and their character? Dennis, any any thoughts on that from your time with Dick? Character character and sportsmanship. That that was big key, keys for him. He he wanted you to be the best person out there and, and not be a, one of those persons that goes sits in the corner criticizes your your teammates. He wanted the person that's there that's gonna pick up their teammate when they're down, and that's just the way you know. Dick, that's the way Dick was. You know, in all the years as a, as a person that's coached multiple levels. I coached at the college, D1 college, D3, and at high school. When Dick spoke, there wasn't a kid that didn't listen to him. They weren't talking on the side. You know, they listened to him. When Dick spoke, they respected him in the highest. And that that's a credit to the kids, too. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, what's your experience with that when watching a game with Dick? What's he, what's he picking out on the field in terms of, like, football stuff? He, well, he sees everything. And I'll give you one personal example, and then I'll tell you about a game that we watched. The personal example I'll give you is my own son. My oldest, Zachary, um, I'll never forget the last game he saw. He comes to me at the end of the game and goes, wait a second. You told me your kid plays D-tackle. 
And I go, yeah. He goes, I counted seven different positions out on the field that he was on at, at, at a given time on this field. He goes, nobody plays seven different positions. And uh, it was the little things that he recognized during a game constantly. And when I watched a game with him, I'll never forget the last one of the last games we watched was the Kenesha St. Joe's game together. And we would talk about every single aspect of the game from the, what was happening in the trenches to the big plays to exactly what was happening to break down each offense and defense. It was an entire thing that was talked about during the conversation where it would be the play would happen and then him and I were analyzing every single play and what it looked like and, and what it would, should look like or what the coaches were thinking in the next steps. It was a full analyzing of the game as we went along. So I yeah, guess that my, armchair quarterback. Yeah, and <laughs> we, we, everybody out there, everybody out there. So, um, Dennis, <laughs> what do you what do you think um, Dick would like to see? Do you think he would like to see like a radio show dedicated to? Do you think he would like to see a podcast, maybe a, a newsletter, a Twitter well, feed? The, the, the person, the type of person Dick was, he 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 wouldn't want to see anything like that. He, he wanted he. It'd be more about the kids than him. That's one thing about Dick. He would never take. He, he would never put himself ahead of anything else. And I think the and I, I think I made this suggestion that one other time. And Tom, if you could, if, I, if I'm right, what Dick really wanted to see was the Catholic schools and the private schools playing again. And I made a suggestion that maybe you know with the pandemic things are going to be up. But when everything gets settled down, I'd like to see one weekend where. I think what there's six Catholic schools left. Why can't we have a weekend dedicated like the the arrival weekend? We have this a, a weekend just for the Catholic playing the private because that's something Dick always wanted to see. Hmm. So maybe put you know link Dick's name on it and have someone spearhead a weekend where you would match up public private schools in in the way you you think Dick would want to see those games for that year, right? Definitely. Definitely. And make sure that all these coaches send their, send their reports in. I'm going to tell you, he, we, we tried that with the county cup. We send the letters out and, you know, we, they would, they wouldn't respond, but you know, Dick, Dick didn't stop. You know, he, he, he put it down there. Even if you look at his weekly paper, this team, this team, and this team, you need to, you need to send your information in. And that's another yep. thing I think, and I really want to see, you know, th we have to continue that weekly stuff with that Dick started, you know, and, and honor Dick. Absolutely. The, no, like I said, recognizing the, the cheerleaders, the best dress, the best umpire, all the way down the line, because that's something that Dick took pride in. You know, Dennis, yeah, Dan, like I, there were, you guys are coaches, right? You know, there's an old school of thinking and a little bit of a new school of thinking now when it comes to coaching. So, you know, the old way of coaching was you didn't want your stats to get out there. You didn't yeah. want things to get out there because it was an advantage to another team that, that is out there. In this day and age, I don't believe there's any more advantages out there. There is a way for me to see your tape. There is a way for me to see your players. There's a way for me to figure it out. We're past that, I, I believe, the old way of thinking that now we've got to realize the only reason we're going to get the stats is to recognize your player and to make sure that it's seen not only by all the people of Western New York, but so that the colleges can see that, so that the people that can, that, that can make an impact on your player 
at the next level will get that opportunity to do that because we've got the right numbers to help you put it into a format that they could be recognized. And that's really all Dick wanted in the end is to just get these kids celebrated and recognized for what they were doing. I can't tell you the amount of college coaches that went to his sites, went to his pages to see who was getting recognized because that was a way for them to be able to use as a recruiting tool to say, wait a second, if Dick Gallagher is recognizing you, that means you're a top player in Western New York, and that means you're somebody I got to be talking to. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times it's all about measurables, right? You might get those measurables from a player or from a coach, but if you have some sort of uh, film or some sort of credit, credibility of someone else watching you, I think that goes a long way. I, I totally agree. But what the difference is, is everyone has film now, especially in right. the huddle. Everybody's got it. Yeah. Thumbs up, huddle. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You got it. Here's the difference, though, is what recognition did you get so that I, as a coach, is going to look at that huddle and look at that film? I'm getting I'm getting 30 to 40, 50 different people a day sending me their film. Am I going to watch every single one of them? Absolutely not. So what's going to make me watch it? It's going to be, wait a second, Dick Gallagher, WGRZ Channel 2, recognized me here and doing this. Boom. That's the trigger point to a college that now says, yes, I want to see what this tape does. Because if this kid's getting recognized, I got to see what, why. So if I could add to that, that, that's one of the things as a, you're a coach out there. You want you want your kids to get recognized. You want those kids to make it to the next level. And there's so many coaches that have that attitude. Oh, I, like you said, Tab, I don't want to get that information out there because I don't want my opponent to know what I'm doing and what's going on. Well, is it about winning or is it about taking care of doing the right thing for the kid? And as a college coach, like I said, when we go on some of these sites to look for stuff, it's not there because I, I say the coach isn't really doing their job. You take someone like a Jerry Smith that he takes these kids away on a, during the summer and has, takes them to visit colleges. And you you got to be able, as a coach, to get that information out there so we have access to it. And like you said, even Dickon had access to it because his word was gold. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Dennis, what you just said there, I mean, when you're coaching and Coach Klump and I, you know, being in the trenches as well on the basketball side, Coach Klump still coaching some football. I think when you do act in the best interest of the kids, that the best interest of your team ultimately comes out of that, don't, doesn't it? Like, I think if you're putting all these kids in the best position to be successful, ultimately they're going to perform on the field anyway. And if you can celebrate them and build them up and give them some confidence, I think that only, only perpetuates yeah. onto itself. Now you're transforming so, them. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. I think we got a big opportunity here, some big shoes to fill. Um, but it's, it's the groundwork has been laid. I think the groundwork has definitely been laid. Um, what do you guys think as we kind of wind down here, um, about Dick's legacy? Like if you had to sum it up in a couple of statements or a couple of thoughts, what do you think his ultimately like ultimate legacy is to Western New York athletics and football in general? Tom, you want to go first or Dennis, either one? Yeah. Dennis, you want to go? Yeah, I'll take this. Dick wants to be known as the person that cared about people, that that, that did more than just treat him as a, um, a player. 
he treated them as a human being and he wanted them to succeed at whatever you succeeded at. You're not some of these kids aren't going to go on and succeed as players, but they're going to succeed as human beings because they were treated fairly when they were kids. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great. That's great. Tom, want to add? What do you think? One, Dick wanted to be known as a family guy first, right? Was there for his family no matter what the scenario was. A lot of this started for what he did because of his family first. That's where it all began. Then to know that every single child was going to be looked at by him and it's going to be recognized by him in a way that nobody else can do. And to us, a legacy, he'll be known as the godfather of football, Western New York high school football. He'll be known as a legend. He'll be known as an icon, all those different things when it comes to Western New York football. That is never going to change. And there'll be things hopefully moving on that are going to be able to help cement that even more with his, with his banquet. Of course, that, you know, we'll, we'll have his name in that banquet. And I'm sure there'll be more awards to come in that banquet that now will have Dick Gallagher's name itself associated with it. And I'll tell you, I've also talked about, I said it in a podcast that we did, the one award I'd love to see fall under Dick Gallagher's name is the Unsung Hero Award. It was an award that he's come up with. It's an award that you've heard him talk about constantly. It's that player that does everything that he can, that doesn't get the recognition that they deserve, never hears about it. You don't hear enough about him. Boy, that's not Dick. And did, did everything that needed to get done, but necessarily didn't get the publicity or needed the publicity. That was the recognition. That's got to be the award that we're talking about named after Dick. Yes, powerful. Let's let's make that happen for sure. Just from hearing your stories um, about Dick and the legacy of what he was about as a man, it just makes me think about that he was in, had such peace. Even you know he might have been doing all that work for free, but he had peace because he knew that's what the Lord made him to do, and he was doing the Lord's work for that. And so, guys, thank you so much for coming on this show and educating us about what it was like to to know Dick, to be mentored by Dick, to, to be his right-hand men, so to speak, in, in the Western York football region. So I wanted to celebrate you guys, and thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate you, I appreciate having, you having us. us. Yeah, and, you know, just in closing, as we wind down here, I can't help but echo Coach Klump's uh, thoughts. I mean, as just a maybe inconsequential bystander, someone not, you know, deeply plugged into the scene, you know, Dick, Dick's just persona kind of preceded him. Even as a player, you know, Eric and I are both players from the nineties and we knew about Dick then. And, yeah. you know, even now as, as grown coaches, we, it, just the appreciation uh, for what he did for the community and try to touch lives beyond the actual football field is just tremendous. So, yeah, I mean, we couldn't be more honored to have you guys on and, we really appreciate the time. Our thoughts and prayers, obviously, are with the family. But, yep. you know, there's nothing better that we can probably do than to celebrate, you know, all the good that he's done. So we appreciate it, fellas. Anytime, guys. All right. Sounds good. Well, if you guys ever need anything, let us know. And uh, thanks again for coming on. 
Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten.